Welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another word-filled message by David Entry. Preaching is the means by which God manifests his word and nourishes our spirits. May the life of God enter into you and you as you listen to this message. Be blessed. First Peter chapter 5 verse 1 to 7. The elders which are amongst you I exhort, whom I am also an elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is amongst you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy liquor, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and give grace, gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, the, the elders I exhort, uh, uh, the elders which are amongst you, who am also an elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Then he announces to the elders, or he speaks to the elders, what are you supposed to do as an elder? One, you are supposed to feed the flock of God, which is amongst you. As I mentioned previously, it's not the flock of the pastor, but it is the flock of God. When you look at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11, it talks about God's flock. He said, Isaiah 40, 11, he said, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. So God here is depicted as a shepherd, just like Psalm 23, verse 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd. So he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm. Okay, very important. And carry them in his bosom and shall, shall gently lead those that are with young. God feeds and guides. That's the, the job of a shepherd. So feed and then he shall feed them um, and he shall gather them, keep them together, and carry them in his bosom. In his bosom means that you are doing it with a lot of care and love, tender care, all right? Tender, carry them in his bosom, and shall gently, gently, very important, lead those that are with young. So um, the feeble, the weak, the not so fortunate, he has a gentle approach towards the sheep and we shepherds so it says pastors or elders should shepherd and God has given us a model of shepherding and he says the flock is his in John chapter 21 verse 15 16 17 that is when he resurrected and told Peter as they ate breakfast Jesus said to Simon Peter Simon son of John, do you love me more than this he said yes Lord he said you know I love you and then he said feed what my, not your. It's like somebody has been entrusted to you. That's, that's the, the clear definition of a steward. If 
every every church leader is a steward and must, if of necessary, okay, of must of must of necessity, very of necessary importance, see himself as a steward, not not a possessor, or not an owner, but a steward, steward of the sheep, the flock of God. Jesus said, feed my lamb. Then he said to him again, Simon, that's the second time, Simon, son of John, do you live? He said, yes, I know. He said, tend my sheep. He shall guide. be gentle. There's a way you care for them. Feed and then tend my sheep. And then he said to him again, Simon, Simon, do you love me? He said, feed my sheep. Three times, my lamb, my sheep, my sheep. My lamb, my sheep. Let's not be of any illusion that anyone owns a church. The church is the church of God. You want to be a church leader, remember you are going to be a leader over what belongs to God. So when Solomon had the encounter with God, or after he gave the sacrifice, thousand burnt offering, I think in First Kings chapter 3, from verse 5, that night, God appeared to Solomon by night at Gibeon. Yeah, it's verse 5. God appeared to him. He said, ask me, what do you want me to give to you? Ask me, anything. Ask me, and I'll give to you. And Solomon, because of who his father was and his upbringing and training, did not ask for wealth, his enemies. But he says that, um, you made me a ruler instead of my father, David, my, your servant, who is my father because he walked before you and you upright, you have continued the great uh, and all that. And then you have made me, given him a son to sit on his throne. Oh Lord, you have made your servant king instead of David, my father. But I am little, I'm, I'm a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Look at the next. See, he, that's a, a language of humility. I actually don't know what to do. I don't know, I'm, I'm not that good. Don't do God's work thinking you are the one without whom the work will not progress. <laughs> you disqualify yourself right away. You have to do God's work with this, with this attitude. That I, this thing is bigger than me. God, you gave me this privilege to do. It doesn't matter what capacity you serve. You gave me this privilege to do this, Lord. And you, you handle it with care and awe. awe. And so he said that, I'm a little boy. Go in and go. He's a king. I said, I'm little. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to go out and come in. You know, that statement tells you. He's just humbling himself before God. And look at the next verse. He said, your servant is in the midst of your people. See, remember this. The word your. It's not my people. It's not me and my subjects. No. It's me and the people I'm privileged to serve. Me and the ones I serve. They are not my bosses. But I serve them because who of who my boss is. They belong to my boss. So when, uh, you know, and. A, a servant in the house is serving the master's children. He, don't, he doesn't treat the children like, oh, you are, you are just a child. No, he's just a child, yeah. But it's like um, Princess Charlotte. Princess Charlotte or uh, uh, Prince George. When they are being served by big guys, because these are heirs to the throne of the United Kingdom. 
So you don't, you are not serving him as oh, this is a child. I'm serving the person as a potential king, or is the subject, or this the child of the king, the great grandchildren of the queen. They are very important to you. If the queen is important to you, you handle them with care. So the attitude of any church worker, for that matter, a church leader. Their attitude towards the congregation is a reflection of how you see God. Your attitude towards the work of God is a clear reflection of your estimation of God, your fear of God, and your honor for God. Because a pastor must, a, a pastor must honor God so much, it plays out in the way he treats the congregation. The way he addresses the congregation, the way he's patient towards them. He, he, a church worker and a church leader should handle the congregation as uh, you must always keep this, bear this in mind. These are God's people. These are God's people. These are God's people. But uh, this one doesn't look like a proper Christian or a child of God. These are, oh, no, no, don't. These are God's people. Once you are handling the congregation, handling the people of God, bear in mind, these are God's people. These are God's people. That will determine the quality of a reward from God. And the heart with which you do it. So, he said, I'm a child. And these are your people. Your people are great. They're great people. Too numerous to be numbered or counted. These, these are amazing people. You see his attitude. Then look at the, the next verse. This is, I want to show you something. Therefore, give your servant, watch this. When God said, what should I give you to you? He said, God, your people. I'm supposed to lead them. Give your servant, therefore, because of that, because of the kind of people they are, give your servant an understanding, not that they are difficult people, but they are your people. So give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Pastor, church worker, church leader, these are God's people. These are God's people. It's the flock of God. Remember, it's God's. So Solomon had this attitude. When he said, what should I do? He didn't say, God, give me money, 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 money. I need prosperity. I need to do well. I need to, I need to change where I live. I need to earn more money. These are God's people. That's God's work. That's God's church. Solomon said, I can't do it with monetary value on my mind. I can't do it with personal interest on my mind. I can't do it based on what I'm getting, what I'm getting. No, no. So he never asked for any of those things. He all, all he asked for, give me what it takes. Give me what it takes to handle these people like your people and bring them where you are trying to bring them. Bible says that, and the speech please the Lord. This heart, heart, the the secret behind every pastoral elevation, pastoral promotion, pastoral greatness is this mindset. When you have a mindset that this, are, this is God and I'm doing it for God and I honor God. So I, I put my life into it and I'm doing it because of God. God gets always touched by this mindset or heart cry or heart disposition. Watch this. Bible says, and the speech please the Lord. You want to please God? What he said. Some of us, you, you may not have to say it because God will not appear to you to ask. But he's already, there's always that question on you. What do you want me to do for you? You are in church. What do you want? What do you want? You have been made a church worker. What do you want? You have been made a church leader. What do you want? God is waiting to hear what you say. And Bible said God was pleased that Solomon has asked this thing. Oh! 
Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, it's the same thing that brought his father into prominence for, to be the son of David. He said, I want to build a church for you. I want, and God said, oh, you are thinking about a church? David, not that you are comfortable. Most you are thinking more about is rather the church. David, the throne will never leave your house. David, you will ne- the throne will never leave your house eternally. Then Solomon comes on the scene and they said, what do you want me to do for you? He said, oh God, you're asking me this. Actually, what I've been wanting is how to be able to do it for you, your people, your people. And Bible says, God was pleased that Solomon asked this thing. Did you see that? That Solomon's mindset, his heart direction in the work of the ministry is to do it, to handle the people of God to God's pleasure. He said, I want, I want to serve your people. I want to do it for them. The Bible said, it pleased God that Solomon has asked this thing. Look at the next verse. <laughs> verse 11. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing. I, I wish we were in a live service. I would have said, someone say this thing. You, you have to be careful what, what the this thing is that you are asking. <laughs> I feel like preaching. Hallelujah. I, I, I actually don't know what that this thing is that you are, pre, you are asking for in prayer. What is your this thing in prayer? Because you have asked this thing. <laughs> because you have and have not asked long life. Oh, for yourself. And have not asked for riches for yourself. So you could have asked for long life because he needed it. Riches, he needed it. Nor have asked for the life of your enemies. Huh? So he could have asked for long life, riches. And that give me an upper hand over my enemies. These three things are common. When anybody or any human, that's the fundament, foundation of human self, self-centeredness. The foundation, um, I need long life. I need good life. Long life includes health and everything. Long life and then riches. Anything I want, I'll get. Everything. And then don't let my enemies have an upper hand. Give me an upper hand over my enemies. These three things. He said, you could have asked that. Because I've given you a blank check. Brother, I think you should start reconsidering your prayer list. <laughs> Maybe if your prayers are not getting answered, start re-examining the list on your prayer. And think. See if church is in it. Check your will if the house of God is part of it. Before you start demanding for certain levels of possessions on earth. God can be behind some things. So he said, because you have asked this thing, I will. Uh, because and you don't uh, but have asked for yourself understanding. Look at verse 12. God said, Behold, I have done according to your words. The initial thing you ask is important. So that one I will do for you to lead my people. See, I have given you an understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before, and shall there be anyone because of the church. You know, when you decide to serve the church, you get certain gifts that no one in your family has ever got. This thing I'm doing, this assignment I'm carrying on, this preaching thing, no one has in my family has ever done this like this. No. No one in my family. But because it's not in my family. It's not like my, my father was a priest. <laughs> or a pastor or something, you know. This dimension, no. No. This dimension, no. Why? Because... Because I set my heart on the house of God. God said, I will give you what no one before you has got. And even after you, it will be hard for someone to break it, depending on your heart condition. People are 
are making waves, setting records, breaking bounds and leaps because of their hearts for God. Bishop Oyedepo puts it this way. You can never know the secret of my, pro my progress, my greatness, my success until you know my heart for God. Ah! He said, you can never, you can never understand, you can never know or appreciate the secrets behind my success, my greatness, and my elevation until you know my heart for God. My heart for God. My heart. He said his foundational scripture is Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added. That's what Solomon exemplified in his prayer. So, he said, they are your people. When you set your heart on God's people, to serve God's people, God will serve you invariably. Heaven will serve you. He said, and I've, because you have asked for this, I'll do it. And I've also asked, added what you didn't ask. Can you imagine? And I've also given you what, ooh, I prefer that one. God knows what you need, but you haven't asked. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. Did you see that? I have also given you. It shall be added. He didn't ask that. Bless not your, your focus, but it has been given. I have also uh, 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 given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor. What? So that there shall be no one like you amongst the kings of the all your days. <laughs> what, a, what a blessing. It, says, it depends on where you set your heart. Where you set your A lot of pastors are doing well, are becoming global icons. Don't think it's because of their focus on greatness or celebrity status or all that. Most of, most of them is their the level of dedication it requires to be a pastor. Pure pastoral work is never compatible with laziness. <laughs> and it will, you'll, be, you'll be caught. You'll be, it will see. It will show. It will be seen. A lazy pastor will all... It, it's, I mean, you can't hide it. It's like pregnancy. <laughs> and then you lose all kinds of excuses, you know, this society and where we are and because of the virus and because of the laziness is usually at the core of, of, of a work that is not progressing. <laughs> I said usually. All right. So he says that feed the flock of God which are amongst you, taking oversight thereof, you see, and, and, uh, give me the New King James. Let's see how the New King James reads. And then we'll go to the New American Standard. Shepherd the flock of God which is amongst you, serving as overseers. What does that mean to serve as overseers? Let's go to the uh, uh, New American Standard version. It said, shepherd the flock of God amongst you, exercising oversight. You have to exercise it. A pastor is, has the responsibility of determining how long the song can be sung in the church. How long the prayer meeting is going? How long the preaching should go? The pastor has the, the right oversight. The elders, the elders, they have it. They, they can determine that you, because of your behavior, and we have warned you and warned you, we have to throw you out of this assembly. They, yeah, they have the, It's God-given. It's God-given. Serving, having the oversight. That's the bishop, the word bishop, as I mentioned in the previous teaching. Oversight. Overseer, supervisor, the temperature in a congregation, in a church, is the responsibility of the elders or the leaders. The temperature, the condition in a church, there are fightings, goblins, and 
disagreements and confusions and it is all right it's all rises and falls on leadership is the responsibility of the uh, of the leader and his team so he said that you have to be an overseer Overseer what's going on. It's not just like a nicey-nicey person. You know, when you are, when you are playing the role of overseer, it be, sometimes it, you, can, you have to be tough. Sometimes you have to be soft. Sometimes you have to be uh, kind. Sometimes you have to be... You have to always be kind. You have to always be tough. You have to always be nice. You, so when you are always nice, where it's necessary, you are shown the niceness. And at the same time, where it's necessary, you are tough. So you are always tough. You are tough and nice and kind at the same time. So in your toughness, you are kind. In your toughness, you are nice. But not tolerant. You cannot tolerate what will destroy what you have given your life for. Because when you are a leader, you have to give your life for the work. But Christ died for the work. Yeah, that's why we are also called to die for the work. He gave us, he set an example for us now. Paul, as Paul said in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, I bear in my flesh or in my body the remaining, what is remaining, what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ, the afflictions of Christ. I feel it in my flesh. I fill it up. So he, he left us. We also are supposed to continue um, suffering for the building of the church. It comes, building of the church for leaders, it comes with suffering, sacrifices, and pain and difficulties oftentimes. So, overseer, thereof, let's look at the text again. Um, it says that, serving as a shepherd, the flock, a shepherd the flock of God amongst you, exercising oversight, watch this, not under compulsion. Don't, don't, don't do it like you are being forced to do it. You can't be forced to do God's work. God doesn't like that. He never forces anybody. You can't be forced. But voluntarily, willingly, Philemon Chapter 1, verse 14, talks about willingness. Do it willingly. I don't want to force you to do it. He says that, but without your consent, I wanted to do nothing. That, uh, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. You, you, will, it should be willing. Your good will must be willing. You see that? But willingly. Anything you are doing. In the work of God, it should be willing. It's not like compulsion. It's like you feel under pressure. If I don't do this, I, you don't know, people think I'm a bad person. No, do it willingly. Willingly. Voluntarily, it's, like, it's not like you are being forced to do it. You shouldn't be forced to serve the people of God. Because they are forcing me. If I don't do it, they, they, won't, they won't pay me my salary. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you attach money to it, it becomes so complex. <laughs> you attach monetary gain to it, it gets, it gets a bit. If I don't do it, I won't get my salary and all that. But I, I won't get a pay. But you shouldn't do it like this. So even if you are not paid, you still will want to do it because you want to do it for God. Are you supposing that people shouldn't be paid? I never said that, please. I never said people shouldn't be paid for what they do for God. I never said that because the Bible says, don't muzzle the mouth of the ox that treaded down the cup. First Corinthians chapter 9, right from verse 9, 10, 11. It is there. It's quoted. Paul quotes it. Don't muzzle the mouth of the, the uh, uh, don't muzzle the mouth of the ox which treads out the grain. 
And he said, do you think God said it because of animals? No, certainly because of us. <laughs> He's interested. He said, or oh, 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 does he say it all together for, this, for our sakes? Or does he say it? For our sakes, no doubt. This is, for our sakes, this is written that he who plows, that's who is laboring for God, should plow in hope. And he who treasures in hope should, should be partaker of his hope. You know, so he didn't say this, uh, I think the previous verse, verse 9, verse 9 again. He says that don't, don't muzzle. Is it, is it, is it, is it oxen God is concerned about? No, it's not animal. So <laughs> he said for us, I says for the preacher, the work of God, the leaders of God's work, the, the servant, those who are serving in God's house, it's for our sake. So pastor, no, 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 you, see, you are conflicting yourself. He said we shouldn't serve for, don't serve for that. You don't serve because of that. But when you are serving, there's nothing wrong if those you are serving decide to give you remuneration. If they don't do it, God will find a way of doing it. So you don't, your, your motive, your inspiration, your, your drive for doing God's work is not gain. Your drive for doing God's work, God's work is God's people and the way you honor God. And then when you are doing it well, it says, don't worry. When it says that, the, let the elders, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, let the elders, that's the pastors, the leaders, that rule well, be those who rule well, be counted worthy of double honor. I think, let me just put this in context. It's not just honoring the, oh, oh hello, respect. Yeah, that's part of it. But really, in the context, it means material remuneration. When you honor people who are doing the work of God, you grant them material remuneration. And so, verse 18, cause the same scripture we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 9. Verse 18, look at it. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle. Oh, this is speaking in line with that because the scripture says that. This scripture is quoted three times in the New Testament in relation to taking care of people who work uh, as leaders in God's house who have dedicated themselves that this is what they do because they must be taken care of. So he says that, uh, is, it, is this wrong? Is there anything wrong if we have sown, verse 11, 1 Corinthians 9, if we have sown spiritual things to you? Is it anything strange that we reap your material things? That's, not, it's, it's, it, that's why he said that don't muzzle the, the mouth. So is spiritual things. It is the responsibility of those who are taught to share in all good things with their teachers. Galatians chapter 6. He said, it is share those who are being taught the things. The six is, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. <laughs> but now, going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 17. He said, don't do it with the church, but do it willingly. He says, willing, talking about willing in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. He said, I do this willingly. That's what Paul is saying. I do this willingly. Because necessity, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 17. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. That means if you don't do it willingly, you, you lose your, you forfeit your reward. But if against my will, watch this. Even if I don't want to do it willingly, I have, I have been entrusted with stewardship. It's like... God has given the people to you to take care of, or the, to, to bless, to sing to, to preach to, to serve, to usher. He has given them. He said that you've been entrusted with the responsibility. If you don't do it, you'll be charged with professional malpractice, spiritual <laughs> malpractice in your conduct. Because you have been given food to give to some people, and you keep the food, uh, uh, you, you'll be charged. 
Okay. So he says that don't do it comp don't do it with compulsion, but willingly. That's like opposites. So you can either do the work of God, watch this, this is very important, under compulsion, or you can do it voluntarily, willingly. It's, it's up to you. And when you do it under compulsion, because you actually there's a there's, there's necessity is laid on you, you lose your reward. But if you do it willingly, like Solomon, he said you have a reward. So he says that the flock of God which is among you, taking oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy liquor. Liquor. Give me uh, uh, American Standard Version, New American Standard Version. Not composed voluntary. According to the will of God, now, that was left in the King James, like kind of, it was buried in the King James. But you have to do it in line with the way God wants things to do, be done. According to God's will. And not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. All right, let's look at New Living Translation. What the sordid gain is supposed to be. Watch, uh, uh, watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it. Did you see that? That's solid gain. It's, solid gain is like base, base gain. All you are doing, all, what is behind is just because you are looking for a husband. <laughs> Seeking gain through base means. Means that are not right. You are using some means that, oh, come on, come on, come on. Come on, you're an usher. You intentionally always want to stand here because of a certain guy who sits, or a certain lady who sits there. You, uh, that's base gain. Base. I mean, it's above, I mean, you're above that. It's below you. So there are things as a servant and as you render service in God's house, you shouldn't be doing. It's, that, it's called King James, filthy liquor. Base gain, sordid gain. B merely ways you are gaining that are not honorable. You are gaining without proper honor. You are, so you can be a pastor. You can be a church leader based on a sordid gain for filthy liquor. And, and, and the scripture strongly uh, warns against it. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. Titus chapter 1, verse 7. And 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Not given to, talking about the qualification of a church leader, a vassier. Not given to wine, not, not violent, not greedy for money. That means you can be a church leader and be greedy for money and be a violent person. I mean, all those things is talking about born against somebody. Can you imagine? Born again. But you have to be gentle. You are not supposed to be quarrelsome or covetous. You see somebody's car, that's the car I want. So you guys are buying cars. You may remember me. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Pastor. Not, not, <laughs> not greedy for money. Greedy for verse 8. First Timothy chapter 3 verse 8. Say, Likewise, deacons must be reverent. That's church leader. Reverent. So the racing reverent is a title. It means that the way a person carries himself with honor and command respect. Reverent. That's the way we get reverent from. So, deacons must be reverent. So, you don't have to wait to be called reverend, reverend, that, that, that. Even when you're a church leader, you must carry yourself like you're already a reverend. Must be reverent, not double-tongued, not giving to much wine, not greedy for money. These are all qualifications. Can you imagine? So you can't do that. When you're a church leader, you can't, you can't give in to much wine and be greedy for money and double-tongued. Titus chapter 1 verse 7. 
and then Second Peter two fifteen says that for a bishop, you see a church leader as overseer. That bishop means overseer, someone who is giving the responsibility to oversee a church, must be blameless. A steward of God is working for God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not giving to wine, not violent, not greedy for money. It keeps bringing this greedy for money inside. Because you, the nature of the work, if you don't take care, materialism, when I say, uh, I'm worthy of double one, they have to give me more, they have to give me more. And by the time you realize, you have been swayed off into material gain. The, all the work you are doing is inspired by material gain. And you, you, you might be well-intentioned, but these are things that we, church leaders, pastors, must watch against. We must watch against. And for that matter, anyone who serves in church, because you are serving God's people. So it says that, and let's look at the second, um, second Peter chapter 2, verse 15, as I said. They have forsaken the right way. This is, this is warning us. And gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Baal, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. I think King James uses the wages of iniquity. One of the verses said, the wages of it. He loved it. You are getting base gains. This The way you are getting this material thing, man, it's not right way. It's not a rightful way. Pastor, Bishop, you have gone, you have forsaken the right way and gone astray. And it's easy to be in church leadership or in church service as a church serving in church and go the wrong way. You go astray. You can go astray and you won't go the right way. And you are doing it for base gain. And here, particularly, elders were warned by Peter that let's watch out because you can do it like that. And he didn't end there, but ready mind. You should do it with ready mind. Whatever the occasion demands, you're ready for it. You want to do it. This is the, for the church. Okay, no problem. Why not? It's for the church. Why not? You sacrifice everything. Your entire life as a leader of a church, your entire life must be, must be sacrificed for God's way. Your life. Sometimes it might, it might demand the sacrifice of your comfort. It might demand the sacrifice even of family sacrifices. There is this modern, modern day gospel that places um, family life above sacrificing for the gospel. And it, it, it's very, there's a fine line between it. So if you don't take care, in the name of, in the name of um, quality family life, you have abandoned, and most of the time it shows on the work. <laughs> it shows on the, on the quality of the work. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's important. Oh, please don't get me wrong. I never said we have to do it at the expense of family because you must rule his house well. But must be able to, there are times where family comfort will be sacrificed because the work of God has a demand. There are times. I'm not saying that intentionally abandon family responsibility in the name of working for God. I didn't say that. Not that's far from what I said. What I said, there are times, the nature of the work, even the nature of politics, the nature of any growing business, the nature of a lot of things, sportsmanship, sometimes at the expense, you can't be a footballer and you have a major league to play and you say oh I just I just want to spend time with my wife and the children in bed you get up and go and train because you have a major league so everything come come but it's now apart from ministry they will tell you uh, God first family second ministry like, how can you separate God and ministry uh, that's another uh, you can talk about business but ministries you are doing it for God 
it's important. I, I don't want to tread on some dangerous grounds, but I think it's very important that to understand that sometimes the demands of ministry, the sacrifices for, for ministry might even include your personal benefits, your personal convenience, your personal uh, life, it can even go your uh, family life. There are times you have to relocate to go and live in a place. There might not be good schools there, but because of God's work, you are there and your children are attending that so good the school because of the work of ministry. That's the only way the, the gospel can spread and the work can thrive. There are a lot of pastors in, thank God for some of those um, missionary-oriented churches. They send pastors to villages. They send pastors to places where even the water might not be good. But they are willing to give themselves for the gospel, to, to live that, a missionary, to live that life. You can, someone like James McKeon left Scotland with his wife and they didn't have a child. Went to live in Africa, in Ghana, and started Church of Pentecost. After he left the apostolic church, started Church of Pentecost. Today, Church of Pentecost is one of the most thriving Christian churches in Africa and potentially in the world. Thriving! Started in Ghana by, on the back of their comfort, James McKeon. He left everything and they decided not to have a child or not to have children because they wanted to dedicate everything for God's way. And today they have billions or millions of children all over the world. They are not biological children, but the Church of Pentecost is one of Ghana's most thriving evangelical churches. Very thriving, active, and effective. Spreading everywhere. All over the world. Somebody sacrifice. Somebody sacrifice. Somebody sacrifice. You are thinking about how to you, you spend nice time with your children and having normal uh, Disney World. <laughs> you can't achieve much for the kingdom. <laughs> Did I say those, those, those things are bad? No, I didn't say that. You know, I think, let me focus and just go on to, I, I, I believe I don't have to belabor the, belabor the point. I've made the point. So it, it talks about, not for filthy liquor. I think the verse 3, I would like to end on the verse 3 because I thought I was going to verse 5. Which it says so much in verse 5. But let's go to verse 3. Neither as being lords over God's heritage. This is very important. Over, it belongs to God. And now you are, you are Lord. He's talking against le, uh, lordship, but for leadership. We are, meant to be, we are meant to give leadership, not lordship. That means that there is also a fine line. If you're not careful as a church leader, you might end up lording it over the people. Instead of leading the people, lording over them. As though we died for them. As though it had it not been for me, you can't do this. You can't go. It's God. There is a fine line. The reason why I said not lording over them, that means that the pastoral work, the demands of the pastoral work and the office of the church leadership can look like lording, all right? Or it requires a certain function that in the world it can come across like lording. And you must be careful you don't lord it over the people. But you are not, we are not their lords. We are actually their servants. We are servants of the congregation. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, verse 25, he says, in the world, the Gentiles, they lord it, the leaders lord it over the people. Jesus said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Politicians, they are celebrities and all that. We shouldn't seek to look 
to be treated like celebrities in a certain sense, please get me, don't get me wrong, in a certain sense, uh, because celebrities, they load it, they, they are bigger than the people. They, they, you know, they don't have to be even be seen everywhere. They have to escape, excuse me, they can't, they can't see it. No, but it's political leadership and national or, or, or human leadership or government or greatness is different from kingdom greatness. Kingdom greatness, look at the verse 26. Jesus said, but it shall not be so amongst you. Oh, I think I am I'm saying some interesting stuff. It shall not be so amongst you. Pastors, oh Lord, help us. Help us so the flesh doesn't kick in and we make ourselves more important than we are. Help us, Lord. It shall not be so amongst you. That's, you know, Peter started, said, this is what I'm talking to pastors. All right. It shall not be so amongst you, but whoever desires to become great amongst you, let him, what? Let him be your servant. Some translations say, let him be your slave. So the pastoral work is actually a work of service. That's why it's called minister. To minister is to serve. You are a slave. You are to serve, not to lord it over them. He said it. Verse 25 said, the worldly people lord it over them, but... It shouldn't be so amongst us. We should rather serve the people. Serve. Can you imagine? You are over people ruling by serving them. You serve them. And the King James says, slave, I think we saw it. It says that you have to, whoever desires to be first amongst you, let him be your slave. That's, that's interesting. Look at, that's it. Let him be your slave. So we should move, we should serve like slaves. Slaves don't have rights. Mm-hmm. That's why it has been outlawed. Slaves don't have rights. Their right is their master's right. So what their right, their master's right is over, uh, above the right of a slave. So when you are serving, okay, God's right is more important than your right as a church leader. Else, don't bother trying to go into church leadership. You will fail and you will not get a reward for it. So he says that um, we shouldn't lord it over them, but um, we should, um, yeah, rather instead, be, we should be examples. Can you imagine? Don't lord it, but be examples. Jesus Christ took a, a, a towel, John chapter 13, wrapped his waist and started serving them to show them. He said, I've done this for you so that you can also do it for others. I've given you an example. So... We should be, the leader of the church should be an example. Or the Greek word can be translated, you should be a pattern. Almost like opogramos, a pattern. So not domineering as arrogant, dictatorial, and overbearing persons over those in your charge. When they are in your charge, you have the opportunity to lead them in a certain way, but you have to be careful the way you are doing it over those in your church. But being examples or patterns and models of Christian living. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, Paul tells Timothy, you must be a pattern. You must be an example of the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. You must be an example. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 9, it tells us we should be example. Um, not, not because... We do not have authority, but 
to make ourselves an example. You see, when you are a church leader, you have an authority. God gives you the authority. But we shouldn't use the authority to, to, domi to dominate people or lord it over them. But rather, the authority you have been given us, we should use it to, uh, as examples, to be examples of how Christians should live and how God expects Christians. That's a very interesting point. But, I mean, we can't, we can't run away from it. That's what the scripture says. In Titus chapter 2, verse 7, Titus chapter 2, verse 7, see how it puts it. In Titus 2, 7, it says that in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. Oh, in talking about a leader. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence. This is appeared again. Incorruptibility. So, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. A pattern. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, it says that, Brethren, jo join in uh, following my example and note those who so walk as you have asked for a pattern. <laughs> Follow. So he said, Peter said, listen, guys, you are supposed to be a pattern for the congregation. Save them. Don't lord it over them, but rather be a pattern for them. So that it's not like, some time ago I taught on burden road. The leadership God chooses, the burden rod. He said, Aaron's rod budded, it sprouted, it budded, it blossomed, and produced ripe almond fruits overnight, within 24 hours. But it takes about five years to get an almond fruit. But Aaron's bud, oh, so Aaron's rod, a rod is a dead wood, a dead wood that cannot produce anything. But when it was given to God, and when God appoints it as a leader, God's, God's, kinds of, God's kind of leadership, it begins, it blossoms. So it began to bud. It sprouted, it budded, it blossomed, produced ripe, ripe almonds, and ripe almonds, of course, ready to be eaten. That means that the rod is a sign of leadership in the scriptures. Rod, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. A shepherd must have a rod. And you, the shepherd of God, you, a pastor, a leader of a congregation, you have a rod. That is your leadership. It's a rod. Don't use it to be beating them. You use the rod to be feeding them. Because that's why God, if God has chosen you as a leader, you must have almonds to give. Your rod must produce almonds. A rod that has not got almonds to produce is only used for beating. We are not, we are, our leadership is not to beat the, the flock. Our leadership is to feed the flock, not to beat them, feed. God has given us leadership. He has given us rod. And everybody has a, a kind of leadership. You are leading somewhere. You can lead, you can exemplify leadership. It's supposed to be for feeding. And one of the best ways of feeding uh, besides teaching is being an example for the flock. Hallelujah. Oh, this is really, I now understand why Peter said for the pastors. Example to the four. And he said, when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory. That face not away. Time will not permit me to go. to. You shall receive a crown of glory. He's the, so as you are doing this, you keep your mind on the coming of Christ. He shall appear. He's the chief shepherd. He calls himself the good shepherd. John chapter, chapter 10 verse 11. John chapter 10 verse 14. He said, I'm, a, I'm the good shepherd. So he's the good shepherd. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 20. He says, the great shepherd of the sheep. So Jesus is the shepherd of the sheep. He's the good shepherd. The good shepherd is the great shepherd. Hallelujah. He's the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. And then when you read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25, it talks about he's the shepherd and the bishop of our soul. So when we are, we are called to be bishop, Jesus actually is also bishop. 
bishop of our souls. But we are bishop, pastors are bishops of the local church. Jesus is bishop of our all believers' souls. He's watching it. So he's a shepherd. He's a shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. And here he's called when the chief shepherd. So he said, chief, he's coming. We shall give an account of how we have taken care of the sheep. How we have been effective and faithful under shepherds. And he says that we shall receive a crown. When Peter was writing this, those days they used to, Olympics, those days when you run for Olympics and stuff like that, they give you a crown of leaves. I said, we shall receive a crown of glory. That will not fade. The leaves will fade. Our crown will not fade. Hallelujah. Crown. Bible talks about crowns. It says, hold fast to your crown that no one takes away your crown. Revelation chapter 3, verse 11. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. It says that I will give you a crown of life. He said, if you persevere, I will give you a crown of life. You know, so it talks about crown. And then verse 11 is important. 3.11 says that, be careful. Hold fast to your crown that no one takes away your crown. What are you persevering for? What are you pushing in God for? Be careful that no one takes it away from you. It's important. And then in James chapter 1, verse 12, it says that if we endure temptations, we shall receive a crown of life. God will give us the, the crown of life. If we endure temptation, the crown of life, you shall receive. I see someone receiving a crown of life at the coming of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, when he was talking about we working, Paul said, I do it freely, willingly, I have a reward. The reward he's talking about, it talks about 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 9, verse 25. It says that those normal athletes, those normal sports people, they run, their crown is perishable, but we do it for an imperishable crown. The crown that does not fade. The crown that is not perishable. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, it says that, And when the chief, uh, when Christ shall appear, the Lord of righteousness shall, he shall give me, there's laid for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord will give, the righteous judge will give to me. There's a crown of righteousness, the crown of life, the crown of righteousness, the, 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 the imperishable crown. And now we have the crown uh, in 1 Peter chapter, chapter 5, we have the crown that does not fade away is the crown of glory that will be given to people who have done their work as church leaders very well. He shall, when the, he's the chief shepherd, he has a crown of glory, a crown of glory that will be, it doesn't fade away. It will be given to us as we do it. So as you are doing the work, you have to keep your eye and your mind on Jesus Christ. Other than that, you won't do it well because the work can be so discouraging at times. The work can be so hard can be demanding at times. The work can be so rough. And working with people and leading people can cause you to enter the promised land, from entering the promised land. Moses couldn't, because the people, they provoked him, struck when God said, speak. And that, because of that, he couldn't enter the promised land. So God knows that working with people, serving people, Especially his people can be a very difficult task. That's why Solomon said, give me wisdom. Give me the grace. Every pastor's prayer, God, give me the grace to do it well for you so I can keep my eyes on you and the crown that will appear. If you're a pastor and you lose sight of the crown Jesus will bring when he appears, you won't do the work well. Any pastor who is not doing the work well is because he has, he has been eluded or he has been diverted. His focus has been shifted from the appearing of Christ with crown to physical things. That is when you think I also deserve this. I must get this. I must get. There's nothing wrong with a pastor getting but if that becomes your driving force, your motivation, the reason why you do what you are doing, boy, you are, you are running at a loss. You will receive a crown of Christ. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. To hear more from David Entry, follow him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn. 
You can also subscribe to Caris Church on YouTube. Don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast so you're always up to date. Be blessed.